Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is Arthur Swartz. And I had Arthur on about a, a week ago, and he's going to update us on his suit to block ballot petitioning. So you uh, you filed the suit just the other day. How did it turn out? Well, we had a hearing on Monday, this past Monday, the 22nd, and the judge was not hospitable, to put it mildly, uh, which was very surprising to me uh, because he, the judge happened to be somebody who uh, used to be president of a local Democratic club here in Greenwich Village where I live. And, uh, and, um, but he was just, peppering me with questions about don't you have interpersonal um, interactions all the time? And I said, yes, I go to, I go to the grocery store once a week, Um, Uh but nobody forces me to go there. Some people order food to be delivered. And, um, and he said, you have no other interactions. And I said, not really. Mostly I, I sometimes go, days without you know going out anywhere um and uh unless i have to you know get something from a store and then he said couldn't you set up a table um that people could come to and i said uh a table what with plastic with plexiglass around it um and he said sure why not and i said and that Mm -hmm. people would come to and offer their signatures um and I started getting texts. I had people in this lawsuit from all over the state, and people like were mm-hmm. texting me saying, "We can't do tables in Nassau County, Greene County, uh, Tioga County. Uh, there is no place to table. What is he talking about?" Um, so mm-hmm. I, I tried to get that message through to the judge, but in the end, he wrote an opinion that said, um, "I can only examine a law to see if it's rational." Um, and if there's, if there's a, uh, if there's, well, he said to see if it's rational. And then he said they had a rationale, which is spelled differently. Uh, and which was, they, they felt the legislature felt this was the best way to protect public health, um, which was to just reduce the number of signatures. And, uh, even though they also reduced the petitioning time to three weeks from five and, um, and I'm not going to second guess them. Case dismissed. So, uh, so that's that's what happened. He issued that decision on Tuesday, the 23rd. We filed an appeal, and on the 24th, I filed a an application to the appellate court for an emergency uh, injunction, um, mm-hmm. which they had the power to grant, just like the lower court did. And late yesterday afternoon, I got a uh, a denial of that, although the issue was referred to a panel of five judges who were going to meet on the 8th of March, which is after petitioning starts. And there's no guarantee that they'll issue a decision. There's not going to be any argument. So I would say, I would say it's a super long shot at this point. Um, just very disappointing. Uh, and, um, so people have to petition to get on the ballot, mm-hmm. including me. 
Including you, correct. You know, it's such a, 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 it's a hardship and it's dangerous. Why would, and I'm going to put the blame right on Governor Cuomo's lap, why would he allow something like this to happen when there's alternative means to get on the ballot? Well, all the governor, you know, I mean, and it's interesting because there's, there, you know, the governor is allowing 35% in restaurants in New York City, 35%, maybe higher outside of New York City. Um, he's allowing 10% of arenas for sporting events. Um, all of which is, I mean, the numbers are coming down, but all of which feels like it's inviting a resurgence. Um, we're not we're not anywhere near like last summer when people I think got more lax in New York because we were running at one percent positivity rate on on um, on um, on testing and we the numbers of cases had declined below a thousand a day in the state which is still like a huge number but at least it was below a thousand instead of twenty thousand and um, you know, when we all ventured out to parks and we all ventured out to playgrounds with our kids, if they have, you have kids, and uh, and people, um, there was some indoor dining and people were going to a lot of outdoor venues, like, you know, restaurants and, and sort of feeling, you know, normal. And I don't think that it was, that didn't cause, if you look at that, I don't think it caused the, the resurgence. The resurgence all happened after. I mean, it was surging in other parts of the country, but not in New York, maybe because we had had such a bad case. And then it, it surged again after Thanksgiving. But the numbers mm-hmm. that it surged to were so much higher. I mean, it went up to the rates in New York went up to over 16% on average of positivity on testing and uh, and even now, even after a number of weeks of improvement, and I'm going to put those in quotation marks, the we're running uh, we're running it at, at, in New York City. We're running at eight between seven and eight percent positivity, and we were down at one. We were down below one. Um, so it's still eight times as many cases, and there's still thousands of cases a day going on in New York State of people. Um, getting sick and the hospitalizations are still, you know, five times as large. The the number of deaths is still many times as big as it was last summer. And it, it, one begins to feel like some, some of what, what's going on uh, is, is, is maybe a little premature, but one big difference between allowing people to do things themselves, i.e. go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. go to a sporting event. Right. They voluntarily are doing that themselves. If there's a risk, right. they're taking the risk because they want to take the risk for whatever reason. Um, and petitioning to get on the ballot is the government telling you, you must engage in this interaction. You must do this act where you approach other people and get within six feet of them even though the current advisory on the Board of Health website, on the state, on the city, on the CDC, says 
when out of your home, do not engage with people closer than six feet who are not members of your family. That's what it says. And so here's the government saying, you must do that. We're mandating you. You want to run for office, then you have to do this. And running for office isn't like if you want to go to a sporting event, you have to do this. Running for office right. is, a, is, a, is something protected by the First Amendment. It's protected by, by, by some of the most basic, you know, concepts of our democracy. And so in order for me, I'm a candidate. I'm running for city council in New York City. I'm running for re-election as the district leader in Greenwich Village, the Democratic district leader. If I want to run, I have to figure out how to, for me to engage other people and for my supporters to engage other people and to put themselves at risk. And it's just, it, 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 it's mind-boggling. And I don't know why it wasn't mind-boggling to the judge. And I don't know why it wasn't mind-boggling. You know, the legislature passed the law, which is all the governor said. is, Oh, I just signed, I signed a law that was, uh, that was um, passed by the state legislature. So don't blame it on me. I just, I just went along with their assessment. Um, mm-hmm. It's just mind-boggling. I, I had interviewed my assemblyman, and right after the uh, assembly passed, and I said, you know, I think it's a health risk for candidates to go go and and get signatures. And and his response was, if if people are careful, you know, uh, wearing masks and uh, doing all the protocols, then they shouldn't worry about it. That'll that'll be okay, and it's not that dangerous. That was his response. Of course, and he isn't running this year because assembly right. isn't up till next year. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Assemblyman, who doesn't have to do it. Um, <laughs> And it was interesting right. during the um, during the argument. Um, I said something to the judge, you know, who ha- has to run every ten years, and I said, "Well, you understand, running for your position, you have to petition." And he said, "Thank goodness, not this year." And I was like, "I wanted to say, why? You think it's safe? <laughs> if you don't, why? Thank goodness, not this year." And I dare say that that assembly person you talked to. Um, uh, doesn't doesn't you know is 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 not is saying well you know even though the guidance is say do not approach people within six feet wear a mask but do not approach people within six feet who are not members of your family uh, and yet um, he's this assembly person is saying well it's okay you know for petitioning. And I'm I'm just wondering I have you know it doesn't start till Tuesday, and I'm I've had two I've had my second vaccine so me personally, um, it, it's not as dangerous right, um, and you know I may wind up doing a lot of my own petitioning because you know I think me personally approaching people is not going to put me at danger, and probably it's not clear this this it's not the scientists haven't decided yet whether um, people who have been vaccinated can still carry the illness, even though they can't get it. They haven't given us decisive um, pronouncements about that. Um, mm-hmm. But what will people I approach say? 
will they say, oh, whoa, 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 get out of here, don't go near me? Um, or are they right. gonna, you know, it's like um, some people will probably say, sure. Some people will say, get out of my face. Uh, <laughs> who the hell are you? Um, right. And, you know, and I don't want to say to them, well, I'm doing this because uh, the governor and the legislature said I have to do it. Um, I'm going to have to hey, try it. Right. I'm going to have to try it, but people, right. people, how will people react? Because most people, I think we're hitting about 15% of the population that's been vaccinated. So that's still only one in eight people have been vaccinated. And right. it doesn't include people who are 55 and over, which 55 was a very big uh, um, danger point in the measurements that went on last spring. Not 65. Mm-hmm. I know they used 65 as the age to get vaccinated uh, in the in one of the first groups, um, and also people with uh, um, medical conditions that make them more susceptible. Uh, although New York belatedly started including them in the groups that could get uh, vaccinated, um, most people, if you go online, you will not find a lot of appointments for people under 65 years old, um, you will find for essential workers, you will find for teachers and subway workers and um, uh, hospital workers, and you'll find for people over 65, you will not find very many appointments in very many places for people with, I think they call it comorbidities. I won't even use the word. Um, Comorbidities. And... um, um, so, you know, those people are, continue to be at risk. And, um, uh, you know, I'm going to feel terrible. I, I'm going to feel terrible. And I have, like, a bunch of supporters who were under 55 who haven't gotten vaccinated and say, oh, I'm going to go out, Arthur. And it's like, God, I don't know if I want to put you at risk just to get me on the ballot, you know? It's like uh, it, it feels like a moral – I never felt morally <laughs> conflicted about – running for office before. I mean, I felt morally convicted for other reasons, but not, mm-hmm. you know, whether I'm running against, you know, I'm like right now I'm a, I'm a straight person running in a seat that's been held for the last 20 years by a gay, 30 years by a gay person in what used to be called a gay district. And, you know, so I had, I had qualms about that, but I didn't have qualms about sending people out to campaign for me. So it's, mm-hmm. um, it's just a horrible position to be put in. And I think, I mean, there isn't a candidate around who, who, who's um, got half a, half a heart, half a sense of morality who doesn't feel the same way as I do. You had a number of people on your suit, right? I had 114 plaintiffs in the lawsuit, yeah. And that was basically gathered by, I would call it word of mouth. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a lot. I had, uh, including I had uh, one, two, three, four, four mayoral candidates, um, two controller candidates in the city, um, the public advocate, uh, Jamani Williams, yeah. um, 
was a, a plaintiff and lots of people running for a city council in New York and people running upstate, um, you know, who all felt the same way. Um, and we gathered those names over about a three day period. And this is, this is, um, and it's the same issue everywhere. It's, you know, um, it's, it's a worse issue. And one of the things that I raised in the lawsuit is the fact that in um, poor communities, because you can get, you can get COVID data now by demographics. Uh, so uh, there is data on susceptibility of people to COVID uh, on insert income brackets. Uh, you can get data on susceptibility to COVID for, for people who are um, black or Hispanic or Asian, uh, you know, by community. And th- there's no question that the rate of positivity is greater in black and Hispanic communities. The rate of, of infection, the rate of hospitalization and the rate of death is greater in poor black and Hispanic communities. So to me, and I raised this in my lawsuit, there's a, there's a, there's a racial issue. There's a, there's a, you know, an equal protection issue because it's not the same to tell a black candidate or a Puerto Rican candidate who's running in, in the South Bronx where testing is running between 16 and 20% positive of everyone who's being tested is testing positive to tell them that it's the same as someone running in my neighborhood, which is mostly white, where there's about a 3% rate of positivity. Uh, it's not the same. It's not the law as applied makes them doing it, makes it more, far more dangerous for them than for me. Um, okay. Well, and, let me ask you this you, question. If you get the party endorsement, if a candidate gets the party endorsement, do they still have to get a number of signatures? Well, there is no such thing as a party endorsement um, in this year. The only, the only, the only, um, the only positions which where you can get a, a waiver of the endorsement requirement, the uh, petitioning requirement, is in the statewide races for um, governor. Lieutenant Governor, uh, okay. Attorney General, and Controller. So that's if they go to a state convention and they can get, if they get endorsed at the state convention, then then um, then they don't have to um, they don't have to um, petition. Um, but for every other position in the state, there is no such thing as a party endorsement. Okay. Okay. I thought that maybe that was the one way to keep uh, challenges from from attaining seats. But you know, well, I, I will are. tell you that I had some discussion with party leaders. You know, I called up some party leaders and said, "Join my lawsuit," and they said, uh, "Like like ones that aren't so bad." And I, they said, oh, God, you know, uh, this party leader and that party leader wants to keep petitioning because that's the way they knock people off the ballot. Because people file their petitions and they do, they make mistakes. I'm, elect, I'm an election lawyer, on, you know, as part of what I do. And you're right. constantly defending people because 
they filed their petition and they didn't number all the pages properly. They filed their petition right. and on their cover sheet, they didn't put the right zip code. There's a lot of grounds that, so what happens is that the party, the, the party regulars, right, um, will, uh, um, you know, use, will use, um, will use that, the fact that people have to use petitioning as a way to get folks off the ballot. I know that, um, you know, the, the party machinery, the, 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 the party leaders will use um, those challenges to knock off most oppositional people uh, who are running for, for office. So, um, uh-huh. uh, and and so they wanted petitioning. They would they wouldn't sign on to the lawsuit because I asked a couple of party leaders and I said, "Come on, you don't want to petition yourself. They're district leaders, or," and they said, "Yeah, Arthur, I agree with you, but you know this party leader in this county and this party leader in this county would kill me uh, if we didn't have petitioning. You know they need it for their, you know their strategies, which is to get rid of. It's particularly bad in the Bronx." In the Bronx, if you're yeah. not part of the machine, uh, the county leader will go in and challenge your petition, and and they often get they'll get um, they'll get uh, there was a race there was a race last year in Brooklyn where there was a vacancy for city council. There were six people that filed signatures, and in the yeah. end, they all got challenged. Only one was on the ballot, which meant he got automatically elected. And those challenges came from the party leadership. So that's, that's a big tactic. Um, and I think the first special city council election in the Bronx this year, which was, in, which was supposed to be in December, there was, may have been nine candidates. And eight of them got knocked off on technicalities. Uh, and the, the guy that Carl Heasty, who's the county leader, who also happens to be the speaker of the Thank assembly, you. His guy got was the only one on the ballot, and he got elected automatically. So it's a tactic. They want petitioning because they because it opens the door to this, you know, horrible consequence that we have under New York uh, election law uh, of of how easy it is to knock folks off the ballot. So is the. Is it an open and shut case? Do you have, do you have any any uh, more uh, opportunities to challenge? Do I have any more opportunities to appeal? Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm waiting appeal. for the the court has to rule on the eighth, and or they don't necessarily rule that day. That it's just on the calendar that day, um, and. Um, my guess is that they'll that they won't wind up like it's not like it's not one of those sessions where you actually argue in front of the court uh and they might issue a decision you know while you're or ten minutes after you leave the courtroom, although that's an interesting uh-huh. I might see if there is a way to argue, but even then by then you would you would be in the sixth day of petitioning uh right. they could declare it unconstitutional and then we then whatever you did would be uh uh, a waste, but I think it also one of the one of the arguments that will get made is it's too late 
too late to uh, come up with another system now. You know, we mm-hmm. filed the lawsuit on February 8th, and just because of the slowness of the court system um, under COVID, I mean, the court system can be slow pre-COVID, but under after post-COVID, it's even slower. It took me about a week to get my lawsuit docketed. I, I've actually subsequently figured out ways to get things moving faster. But, um, you know, so we filed on February 8th when there was plenty of time. We wound up arguing on February 22nd, and one of the big, one of the arguments was, Judge, it's not enough time. The reality is they actually have until, if they'd come up with another system, they had, I think the ballots have to be certified by the Board of Elections by uh, April 25th. So I said there's a okay. lot of time really built into the system. What, what's built in into the normal, the normal system is about a five-and-a-half-week period of petitioning, um, uh, about a week and a half for challenges, and then another couple of weeks for the Board of Elections to rule on the challenges. So that's all built in into the state election law. So there is a mm-hmm. if they just said something like, you can get on the ballot this year by filing an application and a $50 filing fee and, and a sworn statement that you live at the address that you're supposed to live at to run in that district. Because most, mm-hmm. most of these offices, you have to live in the district you're running in. Um, mm. that, that, that could be enough. Well, that would, that would eliminate, we wouldn't need, all, you know, there'd be lots of time to come up with that. Or even an, an online system, um, you know, New York, unfortunately, in New York, we have, uh, the elections are run by county. And every yeah. county has somewhat different rules. And so I don't know how many counties we have in New York, like 50. Um, there's 50 different boards of elections. In New York City, they all get conglomerated into one. So there's one in New York City. But every other, Westchester has a county. Albany County has a yeah. its own board of elections. And they all have slightly different rules. And if we did an online system, they'd all have to adapt their local rules to a statewide rule. I mean, it could be done. If there was a will, uh, they certainly right. figured it out in New Jersey. To mm-hmm. they have an online petitioning system, and um, but whether it could really get set up in New York, which is a Neanderthally, slow-moving state, mm-hmm. when any governmental action needs to be taken. I mean, look at how long it's taken to get COVID vaccines out. Um, right. Uh, you know, they, they would have to probably the only option would have been to let people just register. Um, so that will get raised. That issue will mm-hmm. be in the judge's minds. And, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, there will be other petitioning going on this year. And I think unless they've eliminated all third parties this year, they may have eliminated all non. They, the, the law this year may have eliminated petitioning like there. there's only four parties. There are now four parties. The governor got the election law changed, so you needed two and a half percent of the ballots, the votes in the presidential. And the only parties that survived that were the Democrats, Republicans, working families, and conservatives. And in fact, the conservatives did worse than working families because the working families party is now a line C on your ballot. And 
Um, but all these other parties fell off the, the independence party, which was always a horribly named party. They didn't get 5%. They didn't get 2.5% of the libertarians didn't get 2.5%. The greens didn't get 2.5%. The women's equality party didn't get 2.5%. And I think that the way they changed the law this year is that those groups aren't even going to have an opportunity to petition to get a candidate on the November ballot, uh, because petitioning isn't safe. Um, well, um, so it, it, we, we are out of time for today, so if there's any changes, I'll call you in a couple of weeks, and if there's any changes, uh, let's do another show. Okay, that would be great. Okay. And I have a lot of friends okay. in Albany. Um, uh, the you know I'm the political director of a group called the New York Progressive Action Network, and we have an Albany chapter and a, a number of people who are in office. Uh, uh, Phil Steck is a good friend of mine. Hi, Phil, if yep. you're listening to the show. Um, Phil is an amazing legislator. People should, you know, support him. He He's a big proponent of the stock transfer tax in New York, which is running the business interests are giving him a hard time. Anytime you want to talk about any issue, uh, I even know what's going on in Albany. I have to be because of my work in my pen. So feel free okay, to call. Great. Okay. okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Arthur, right, and thank bye. you, everybody, bye bye. for listening. Have a great day.